This episode, like all of our episodes, is brought to you by our Patreon donors. So this time, we're saying thank you to Anna, Terry, Jessica, Dana, Charlotte, Crystal, Natalie, Jess, Lane, Colleen, Jordan, and Kim. And an extra special thanks go out to Kimberly, Nancy, Morgan, and Rhiannon. Kimberly, you are a pure-hearted alpine rabbit. Nancy, you are a rare and prized variegated monstera plant. Morgan, I love you more than most. And Rhiannon, you're a very helpful forest witch. Okay, so you know the NPR story about the feather heist, right? Yes. Fucking love it. For our listeners, it's this this kid who had a hobby of tying flies for fly fishing who robbed a fucking museum of these dead bird samples that were like extremely rare and extremely important so that he could use their feathers to tie flies to sell. Flies being like the little dangly bobbly bits that that bobble the on the little water. dangly bobbly bits and do these do these flies have any impact on like your ability to catch a fish absolutely not it's just a very strange very cutthroat niche hobby that's it half the time you lose your flies when a fish bites the fly and then like rips it off your your fishing yeah, they're line. like disposable <laughs> yeah they're like disposable <laughs> We were on a fishing trip recently, and I I looked at the fly that my husband's friend was was tying. I was like, that looks just like a little little grasshopper. And I like I said out loud, I was just like, there's got to be a way to like three D print those things these days. And they were like, that's not part of it. Tying these elaborate flies and like putting the work and the artistry into them, even if it's just with like dyed chicken feathers. That's part of it. I have not stopped thinking about it since. When you need some dough, you don't know where to go in this patriarchal capitalist hellscape. Well, here's the sitch. We're gonna help you, sis, because bitches get riches. Bitches get riches. Bitches get riches. So can you? I'm Piggy. I'm Kitty. <laughs> we are the bitches in Bitches Get Riches. We're a PG-rated movie about an odd couple paired in an unlikely scenario that is at once knee-slappingly hilarious and heartwarming. And we're here to teach you the true meaning of family. Oh, but our time on this planet is limited. So let's get started. Today's letter comes to us from Patreon donor Genevieve. Genevieve asks... Hi, friends. I am a project manager for a dumpster fire of a project. Our contract is only 70K, but they give our company 50 million in work, so we're stuck with them. We are almost done with a phase one of our project and will soon be starting a phase two. I legit don't have time with my other work to continue to PM for this client, but I also just don't want to do it. I've had medium success in asking for help from colleagues and managers. Should I try to get out of being the PM and take whatever hit by quitting this client? Or should I figure out how to stick it out at the cost of my own mental health, to be honest? Thank you and love the show. P.S. I'm a woman in a very male kind of tech workplace. Should I quit this thing I don't want to do and kind of hate? Or should I stick it out and be miserable? I think everyone can kind of relate to that. If you're even asking this question, it means subconsciously, like, you know you don't want to stick it out. 
you really want someone to give you permission to walk away. And Genevieve, my darling Genevieve, let me give you that permission. You are allowed to extricate yourself from this situation to stop being a project manager for this awful client and to move on to other things. So there you go. There's your permission. Now let's talk about how. The fact that you are a woman in a very male, in your words, male kind of tech workplace, I think that that's going to be harder for you than for most. You may feel like the worst thing you can do is to not try hard enough and to sort of give up on something. Whereas I think probably the the men in your department aren't so much saddled by the cultural baggage that they have to keep going and sacrificing no matter what in order to get the job done. A lot of women who've worked in male-dominated workplaces, they are the delegatee rather than the delegator. Like people are like, oh, well, I don't want to do this. What mm. about Cheryl? Cheryl will do mm. this. Mm-hmm. And so I, I worry that you are even the project manager on this because some dude at your company didn't want to do it, which blows, right? I feel like in this scenario, you need to make your delegation of this task into an opportunity for somebody else. Project manager is a big fucking deal. Like that's a really good job that is a lot of responsibility and takes a lot of training to do well. So in this case, you know, my recommendation would be to find somebody younger and less experienced in your company and delegate it to them and put this to the client as saying like, thank you for your trust in phase one of this project. I really appreciated working with you. I would now like to pass you off to this young, hungry, up and coming member of the staff. I know you're going to be in good hands with them. Don't worry. I'll be there to answer their questions. If there's ever any doubt they're doing the right thing, but I I would love to give them the opportunity to, to do this. Give the client the opportunity to be altruistic and patient with another project manager who maybe needs the experience. Piggy, your advice is, is really good for her specific situation. It it sounds like it's possible that Genevieve has like enough autonomy or pull or experience and has a big enough team that maybe delegating might be a possibility for her. But I want to like also acknowledge how many people go through this who do not have that level of autonomy. Mm. They may be the most junior on their team or something like that. And they still end up stuck with these sucky work tasks. I feel like anyone can benefit from learning strategies for how to push back on certain tasks. Because Genevieve told us that she both doesn't like the tasks and also she doesn't have the time for the tasks. Yeah, there's a fundamental problem there. Yeah. Maybe the easiest thing to do is to leave aside the fact that you don't like it. Go in with the fact that you do not have the time for this. And this is the kind of thing that I think usually my advice is when you have a problem and you're taking it to your manager, you should go in with a solution. But In some situations like this one, I would actually recommend going to your manager and saying, I am having this problem. I have way more work than I could conceivably get done. This project is too big for me to be splitting my focus, doing a bunch of other things and this. So I need this off my plate and I need your help to do it. What are your ideas? Making it very explicitly something that you are putting on your manager and bringing as a problem to them that they need to enable you and solve this problem for you may make things a lot easier for you overall. Absolutely. If you have a manager 
they are supposed to manage you. This is what their job is. Their job is to set you up for success, to make it so that you have the resources you need to succeed in your job. And if they come back at you with, well, sorry, figure it out, like that's a failure on their part. Mm -hmm. Every job description ever is just like, we look for somebody who's collaborative and knows how to work on a team and like good at teamwork. And just like part of teamwork is communication and letting people know when you need help. If companies are seeking that quality in applicants, they shouldn't punish you for being collaborative about problem solving and asking for help when it's needed. Exactly. God, I'm smart. Being collaborative about problem solving. That's so Mm. corporate. I love it. Right? I want to be collaborative about this problem solving. Please fix this shit for me, por favor. I think also like a a little hot tip from from us, us old gals been around. We are super old gals. You can tell a lot about your company's management philosophy based on how many direct reports your managers tend to have. So managers have what are called direct reports or, you know, every company has different terminology, but they they have the worker bees who are reporting into them, right? And based on the size of that team, you can kind of tell what the bigger company's expectations are of that manager. If you work in a company where a manager might have like two or three or five direct reports, they're probably a pretty expected to be a pretty hands-on person. If there's a problem, they're expected to like help you out, you know, jump in and do things hands-on. They may have things that only they do as part of the overall workflow for the company. Whereas if you work at a company, and this is the case for me, I work at a company where every manager has like a dozen direct reports. And you can tell by the structure of that, having so many direct reports, they have no expectation that my manager will get any work done personally. His only job is to show up like uh, the genie in front of all of his direct reports and say, what do you need? What do you need? What do you need? Great sound effect. His full time job is just enabling us. So that's like a, a little hot tip. You may get more or less traction with that approach, depending on what your company's overall kind of management philosophy is. And I think looking at team sizes is a really easy way to gauge that. Totally. I also want to talk about one thing that Genevieve brought up. So she she was like, uh, should I try to get out and take take the hit of hit of quitting this client? She is anticipating professional negative ra- ramifications if she quits this client. Women, non-binary people, people who are generally not cisgender white males in the workplace worry a lot about negative repercussions, like getting punished for something they do at work, which I want to push back on. I think in my experience, sticking up for yourself in the workplace actually ends up getting you more respect rather than less. Yes, I completely agree. I think a, a lot of... A lot of women, non-binary people, young people in the workplace, people who are very junior and don't quite know what their options are yet, they get into this mode of thinking where they think that if they say no or they refuse to, say, answer a call at 6 p.m. when office hours end at 5, they think if they do one of those things that it will be reflected negatively on them. And Honestly, this is my honest lived experience. I have never gotten more respect and support 
in the workplace, both from my my managers, my upper level leaders, and from my own coworkers, than when I have set clear boundaries and stood beside them. I think sticking up for yourself, you are creating an environment that everyone on the team appreciates. You're contributing to a culture where people don't unnecessarily overwork themselves, where they keep work in the workplace during paid work hours, which is exactly where work belongs. Mm-hmm. 100%. If you read Ask a Manager, you'll find these stories like horror stories of people being mistreated in the workplace and punished for exactly these kind of things. Those are the outliers in my experience. Exactly mm-hmm. what Kitty said. You know, if you're worried about being punished for, you know, properly delegating this task to somebody else or, you know, responsibly moving this off of your plate or asking for help, like, don't be. As long as you are conducting yourself with professionalism and you are getting ahead of this issue before it becomes a larger issue, like you will earn nothing but respect from your team. You're not going to be punished. You're going to improve the the work environment that you work in. And you could even improve the client's experience as well. God, mm-hmm. that sounded so fucking corporate. Uh, you know, we're living the dream. Speaking of somebody who like has managed other humans... Asking for help is not a sign of weakness. I really appreciate it when one of my managees comes at me and is like, hey, I don't know how to do this or I don't have time for this and like gives me that heads up before it's a problem, you know, and that way I can be like, oh, here are any of a dozen solutions that I can present you with. But like it's less efficient to sit there stewing in your own juices being like, I don't have time for this. And I don't want to do this because this client sucks. And just like keeping that to yourself because your manager and, you know, the rest of your team for that matter, might not even realize what you're going through. And yeah, giving them that information at the very least, like you could be unlocking solutions that they like easily have that you didn't even think of. The squeaky wheel really does get the grease. Yeah. It is so not helpful from a manager's perspective mm-hmm, to have mm-hmm. your your direct report, your employee come to you and say, I am burnt out and I have had enough and I am going to cut off my own head if I have to answer one more email from these assholes. That is way too late. If that is the first I'm hearing about this, like I can't I can't fix that. Obviously, like some companies just suck. Some managers just suck. They really don't care. And the best thing you can do in those situations is just figure it out quickly so that you can move on with your life to somewhere that you will be respected as, as the absolutely and independent human being that you are. But like, you need to give them some, some heads up. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like you can't just wait until you're hitting a wall. From a managerial perspective, when people try and like, frantically solve problems when they like they're clearly in over their head and the faucet is overflowing, like that's worse than just saying, Ooh, I made a little mistake. I have some ideas for solutions, but like, I just think you should know about this ahead of time. Like I just, you know, I just wanted you as the manager to be aware that this is a problem. Like that is so much better for everyone than watching the sink overflow with panic in your eyes and no idea of what to do. Exactly. I actually think this this leads me to probably the final point I want to make. Go for it. Parenting, I think, is actually a great example of a kind mm. of job that people have to do that has really, really great parts of the task and really, really shitty parts of the task. 
you know, reading to your child as their eyes gently Mm. slide shut as they fall asleep at night. And then there are other tasks that are changing poopy diapers. I think it's really helpful to rotate those jobs around. Your cohort, Mm. if you have one, like the people who work in your same company who are also project managers or who have project management skills, if you are on a team of other people who like share that kind of stuff, I think it can be really helpful to say, hey, can we rotate the worst stuff around? So when I was working on a creative team with three other graphic designers, we kind of had it structured so that like I handled the stuff from these clients and the other two handled stuff from two other groups of clients. And that work was divided pretty evenly. But every group had one client who was just such a shithead, so difficult, so hard to communicate with, so exacting that they made our lives like way worse by having to Uh. do project after project for them. So we had like four special clients that we said, okay, these four who are our troublemakers, we're going to rotate them. Amanda handled this annoying guy last time. So a new request came in. It's guys, it's my turn. I got this one. Um, And that way we could all not only share the worst parts of the task so that no one person was getting really burned out, but also it actually built a lot of camaraderie because together we all had different approaches to handling those problems. And we kind of helped each other develop strategies to mitigate them more successfully. So that's another option. If you have other people, you know, for Genevieve as a project manager or for anyone listening, no matter what your job is, if you work alongside other people who share those roles and responsibilities, talk together about like, hey, let's isolate the worst stuff. And if we work in a restaurant and we have to deal with on Saturday nights, there's always somebody goes into the bathroom, pukes and it gets on the seat. All right, I got the last one. You need to get this one take turns changing the poopy diapers it not only will be easier on you but it will make your entire team appreciate that really difficult task and how hard it is to do exactly exactly Mm. genevieve you may have been doing all of this so well that no one knows what a nightmare it's been good job gold star but that time is over you need to make it known that this shit stinks and it's time for someone else to change this poopy diaper are you good with that I am good with that. Listeners, if you want us to answer your question, go to bitchesgetriches.com and click Ask the Bitches. This podcast is listener supported. We are committed to never, ever putting our best content behind a paywall. So if you like what we do and you want us to keep doing it, you can support the podcast by joining our Patreon at patreon.com slash bitchesgetriches. And if you need even more bitches in your life, you can read our articles or follow us on social media at bitchesgetriches.com. Hey, is there anything else that our listeners should know? Yes. The world, and I know this may shock some people, does not revolve around New York City. I cannot believe that you would have the audacity to say something so brave and yet so true. Right? (laughs) Co-signed. Bitches Bitches out! out.